Hey everybody, before we get started today, Dead and Married is issuing a heavy trigger warning for today's episode. This episode contains topics such as suicidal thoughts and ideation, as well as mental health and sexual assault and bullying. It is not for the faint of heart, but it is our story. If you or anyone you love or care about is struggling with thoughts of suicide, please call the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or the number 988. Again, this National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255 or 988. Thank you. Hey guys, welcome to another Lilla. This was to be expected, I guess. I'm a little rusty. Welcome to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm Ashley. And I'm Travis. And wow, I can't believe we're here again. It's been over three months. Yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. I didn't expect us to be at this again. I mean, truthfully, ever, those those thoughts crossed my mind about, are we ever going to do this again? You know, because you and I are both in places where this was not top priority in our lives. But the more we got to talking about it, it was like, uh, I guess if we're ever going to, I mean, I hate to use the words move on. Those are, those words are the bane of my existence right now. But um, if we're ever going to try to, you know. Have, leave a lead <laughs> a semi-normal life again you know we we owe it to ourselves and you guys and uh our friends to you know pick up and keep this thing going i guess yeah figure out what the new normal is going to look like yeah so if you you know have been been with us from the beginning you know that a few months ago, we cut our third. Was it our third season or second season? It was our third. I think it was three. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't looked at it in a long we, time. Uh, we cut the season two episodes short because we were dealing with a family emergency that uh, unfortunately took a very bad turn. And, you know, three years later, here we... Three years later. It feels like three years later. Three months later, here we are. I'll get it together in a minute, guys. And I know some of you... Um, especially our our favorite seven are sitting there going it's okay it's okay guys we got you it's cool so thank you for that um i don't even know how to jump into this well i think for the people that don't know um part of the reason that we took a break is because we lost our uh daughter our oldest daughter to suicide in april Mm -hmm. so we were planning on taking a break anyway but that accelerated the schedule and it, it's tough to come back yeah so i think that's that's kind of what we we're going to talk about today is not we're not going to tell the story um, but kind of what we went through leading up to that point uh, with london and i don't know maybe our story can help somebody else i think that's that's really the idea is that maybe maybe somebody can learn from what we went through and avoid the same outcome yeah yeah Um, Again, as as Travis said, we are not going to tell, we're not giving any details about the week and the night that uh, these things occurred. Um, Again, if you're in the know, then you are, but we owe it to her to not exploit what happened to her. Um, I I guess we can get started with we yes, she took her life on April 8th, 14th. 14th, I can't. Ugh. Um, and the only detail I would give out is that Travis and I and her brother and sister, we all found her at the same time. And that's as far as that'll go. Um, what led to this is, I mean, as some of you guys know, she was featured on the show. Not, not a lot, not as much as Aiden was, but she was featured in a few episodes of the show. Um, she really, really loved this show. She was always telling her friends about it. She plugged our stuff to people um she loved it she loved film she loved horror um she was she was my movie buddy and unfortunately she was dealing with some pretty heavy stuff starting from when she was small that we did not know about until right up before her death um london came out to us as gay well she started she came up out to us as bisexual in the sixth grade and we we tried you know we had no experience in this arena we tried to navigate that with her as best we could and against opinions of our family and friends we were her advocates and very open with her and supportive 
of her. But unfortunately, the world at large was not, including people that she went to school with. Um, she was also sexually assaulted by a couple of boys, one in the last year and one that had gone on for a few years when she was really little in her Sunday school class. And we never knew about that until she came out and told us because she was suffering from nightmares and PTSD because of this. Um, she also lost a girlfriend to suicide the year prior and was very, very depressed over that, blamed herself. Um, we tried what we could to get her into therapy and mental health facilities. But unfortunately, the area that we are living in did not place high importance on that. Um, sorry, I need a minute. Well, they just, they don't have the resources near where we live, uh, really to deal with teenagers that are dealing with depression. Um, they've got a lot for like substance abuse and, violent behavior and that sort of thing but we don't and it it's, seems to be a north texas thing we don't have good places that really specialize in teen depression and it's sad that that doesn't really seem to exist so if you're going to get help it seems like you have to go through private practice or you know even texas mhmr they they are not really equipped to deal with it um but that's the reason we gave the uh, the number for the hotline at the very beginning, so that you can get a hold of a professional. Uh, and then, in the event that you are in the same sort of circumstance that we are, where you just don't live in an area where they have good resources. Yeah, we, you know, working in the field that I do and in a hospital, we deal with teen suicide ideation a lot more than more than I would like, um, and more often than not you unfortunately do have teens that are doing it not necessarily for attention but maybe it's a cry for help and unfortunately people don't take that seriously when you in fact should take it very seriously um it's not being a teenager today is not like it was when travis and i were in high school i mean yes i was bullied i i don't know if travis was but but I was, you know, for, for various reasons. And it was hard. And I had my own struggles with uh, suicide attempts and self-harm. Um, but I did end up getting past it, I guess. And unfortunately, not not every child is able to do that. Um, it, I'm sorry. Again, I just like, it's, it's, it's such a fucking hard thing to talk about. With social media now and the way this country seems to be torn into you're either with with us or with them, unfortunately, I would say that su uh, bullying is at an all-time high and suicide by youth is at an all-time record high. Um, there were two other teenagers that also took their life in the same month that London did. And we've had a handful of more ideations in the two months since. So it's unfortunate that there's not more education or programs in school or resources for families and children dealing with these topics. And I, I think that needs to change. I agree. So uh, where to begin, I guess? Um, well, I think would probably be a good place to start would be with London's behavior before she came out to us, but after some of that stuff had happened. Because she had always been an assertive child. <laughs> <laughs> that she was. But she started displaying a lot of anger and mood swings. And I think we both kind of, since she had never communicated anything about how she was feeling or any of the stuff that had happened to her up to that point, um, we just kind of chalked it up to her being a teenager. Or, yeah. Or going into that teenage phase yeah. of rebellion and your parents Puberty suck wounds. and they don't know anything and you know i went through it ashley went through it and i don't know i aiden didn't really go he, through that he did but it was only about a year it like was, his eighth grade year he yeah. was a little hard to live with but his was very mild uh, and by comparison quick. and yeah over pretty quickly but hers kind of reminded me of mine you know mad at the world all the time 
So I just thought, well, she's she's going through it like I did, I guess. Yeah. Never suspecting that there was anything that might have been causing it. And we don't know for sure that the way she reacted to things emotionally was tied to her circumstances. No, oh, because but you have to you have to see this from our perspective in that London. I mean, even up until her death, London was always such a vivacious, well, vivacious child. She was happy. She was happy to be wherever she was. She she kind of she had like I guess Peter Pan syndrome a little bit in that she never really wanted to grow up. You know, even at fifteen years old, she was still outside climbing trees or making mud pies with Isabel. Um, she was always in the middle of crazy experiments and she just always had a smile on her face, you know, and it, I, I think the reason it seemed so drastic to us is because one day that just kind of stopped or it became very erratic rather. Yeah. The mood swings were the worst. Yeah. Because she would go from being very, very happy and everything's right with the world to just Everybody hates me and I hate you. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Again, we just, that was kind of me when I was a teenager. So I think we both just saw it like that. I, I don't know if that was, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that was just a teenager thing or if that was that she needed help and she didn't know how to ask for it. Because again, she still hadn't told us about anything, but it just, it seemed to get worse rather than better. And even though I did not necessarily have a grasp on this, I mean, because whenever I was going through my stuff as a teenager, I was not an angry person. I was the very sad, moody, you know, I'm going to go hide in my room and listen to all the sad music and write all the sad poetry and read type of depressed, you know. So Travis, I had to go to Travis multiple times and say, I don't know how to handle this because you were the one that was angry and I'm, I'm out of my depth here. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I don't know how to deal with it either, honestly. Um, but yeah, as she got older, um, I guess really to sort of fast forward to when she came out to us and I don't know, I think I've told this story before. I think that's the most disappointed she's ever been with me. The most disappointed she's ever looked. Because you told me that she was going to tell me. <laughs> and I think I was the last person to find out. I think she was worried. Um, but she sat down and she said, Dad, I like girls. I said, okay. She said, I'm, I'm gay. I said, okay. And she just sat there and looked at me. She said, that's it? Said, that's it. Like, you're you're my daughter and I love you. And nothing will ever change that. So if if, the, if, if as long as you're happy, I'm good. Like, that's that's the priority is that you're happy. So if this is if you're happy, then great. So, yeah. And I th she just kind of huffed and like, whatever, and walked <laughs> off. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't, I don't know how, don't know how to feel about that. I think she, in some way, was kind of wanting me to be mad about it. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. But things seem to get worse after that, honestly. Um, it, it, not it, here, it but I think she, when she came out here, I think she came out at school sort of too, or at least to some people. Yeah. And it created... Well, unfortunately, in school, when you tell Some, somebody something, no matter how trusted, it yeah. spreads like wildfire. Yeah. And uh, I think that's where the trouble at school really started, was after that. Yeah. Um, she stayed active in sports, and she loved hanging out with her friends and all this stuff, which I think there's kind of a small group of girls there that all kind of identified the same way. Yes. Um, not all of the girls in the group, but but a, a good majority. But when I say a good majority, we're talking about, what, like six, seven girls I don't, I don't know. So it wasn't a huge group, a huge friend group, uh, but... Where we lived before, this was something people didn't tell anybody. Um, every, you know, we, we've talked about it on the show many times at the town we lived in was all about football and conservatives and, you know... Well, the town we live in now kind of is. If there was anybody that was, you know, queer, then you were automatically ostracized. You know, you were you were in that misfit group or you were alone. And when we moved here and started finding that there were more and more girls that were or and and boys that were coming out as as gay or bi or trans or non-binary it was like, okay, maybe London has a real shot here. And, you know, we've also mentioned on the show, with his permission, of course, that Aiden identifies as pansexual. 
and he has a really solid group of friends who all know this and have and have never given him any grief about it. So we just assumed maybe that London was going to be in her her tribe, I guess. Yeah, but we do live in a, a highly conservative community. Um, it's a retirement and, community. And so while... Yeah. They did have that. She did have a friend group. It still is not something that's widely accepted where we live. Yes. Um, so even though she she did have those friends, uh, she did still. I think because she never really talked about it. Um, I think she dealt with some bullying because of that. And yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't really know how to word it. I think she got singled out sometimes. Yeah, she because uh, of it. She would kind of veer back and forth, and she would date boys for a little bit you know and i always told her you know you're young you need to explore who you are and if that means dating some boys so you can say legitimately no this isn't for me i'm like well then at least you know you know so she would date guys here and there um go on dates but then she finally really this year said, no, mom, I'm, I'm gay. I'm, I'm, I'm gay. I don't, I don't like boys. I can be attracted to boys and I like spending time with boys, but I ultimately, you know, I, I like girls. That's, that's who I want to be with. So I said, okay, you know, and from there we did our best to kind of jump in feet first. You know, we celebrated pride with her. Um, that first year and we started letting her decorate her room and all kinds of pride stuff and just tried to be supportive of her but then like Travis said we noticed she started coming home unhappy a lot or or calling and saying mom I can't be here today mom please come pick me up please come get me and if she couldn't get a hold of me she was trying to get a hold of Travis and then there were times where she'd say mom I'm you're gonna get a call from the school because I'm in trouble and, you know, we'd go, for what? Why are, why are you in the office right now? And she'd say, because a girl pushed me into my locker and called me a expletive. And I fought back. There were a couple of girls in my class today who started throwing up wadded up paper at the back of my head and calling me expletives. And now I'm in the office again because I got up and I and I punched her. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we've never advocated violence in this house, but I have always told the kids, defend yourself. Don't just stand there and take it. Right. Um, you know, don't let's don't let somebody put hands on you. You you have a right to defend yourself. And London was always like, well, what if I get in trouble? I, you won't be in trouble at home. No, not by us. So I'll deal with the school, but you don't have to take that from those kids. Um, but yeah. Yeah, some days she would come home and she was fine, but that was usually on days where she had athletics, but she had some bad days too. And she never told us why on those days when she would call and say, I just can't be here right now. Um, we have, we, we still don't, we still have no idea what was really going on up there. Um, cause she was a very private yes. about those things. And I don't know if it was, maybe she was embarrassed. Maybe, maybe the, maybe shame I don't of know. some kind, but clearly there was something or maybe she or, or was maybe afraid was just, of what you would do. <laughs> or maybe it was just pride. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But she just, she kept, she played her cards really close on yeah. most of those things. Um, but then she got, um, she found her person. Well, not yet. Unfortunately, she, well, yeah. she did date one girl who was very emotionally abusive toward her. And we dealt with that for about a year of the back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. In which we were dealing with some of our family saying, well, see, this is what happens. And, you know, and it's like, no, you have your little fights and I got cheated on or I got emotionally abused in straight relationships all the time. So I took great offense to that. It's like, this is just what it is to have relationships with people. So like, like I said, it wasn't a lack of her feeling like, you know, she was trying, but relationships just go like that sometimes especially when you're young yeah well when you're a kid you don't know you don't know what a relationship's supposed to look like yeah but yeah she went through she had a, a couple of different girlfriends um and she finally found her person yeah and they were really close really close to the point of like london it's three o'clock in the morning you need to get <laughs> off the phone stop texting you need to go to bed she needs to go to bed yeah I think I first became aware of her and we're obviously not gonna use her name for privacy reasons for her and her family but uh 
she asked me for a ride one day and, I, and it was at that time that I was working nights and I was like, one, and I'm asleep right now. I'm like, I can't come get you. And when she got home, she said, well, I got a ride from this person and her mom and they're great. They're so nice. They're so wonderful. And I was like, well, that's, that's great. And they were both on the powerlifting team together. So it became every day they were working out together before or after school. And, you know, I would, you know, I would go to a powerlifting meet and I'd say, well, who's this girl that you keep talking about? And she pointed her out to me. And of course, the first thing I noticed was that she was just stunning, absolutely gorgeous. And I was glad that she was being a friend to London. And not to mention this girl was just a beast at lifting weights. We would watch her and our mouths would just hang open. So she would come home and talk about her and talk about her and talk about her. And then the next thing I knew, she wherever we would be at certain places, she would want to buy her gifts or she wanted to get her flowers or plants. And so I would ask her, like, London, are you sure you're not dating this girl? And she's like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm like, okay. I was like, because, you know, it's it's okay if you are. You can tell me. It's fine. But because of that last relationship, I was a little upset and a little afraid of her jumping in another relationship so quickly. So I think she didn't want to say anything until she knew that it was something real. But then I noticed that this girl would also not only be spending time with London, but be spending time with Isabel, playing Roblox with her or, or you know, they would make TikToks together, share stuff on the phone. And um, I thought, okay, this is, this is serious. You know, this is kind of starting to meet the family without really meeting the family you know, um, and that relationship was probably the happiest she had ever been. But as most teen romances do, eventually they did break up and London was devastated, just absolutely devastated. And I think that's when the, the self-harm no, kind no. of started, wasn't it? No, no, it started way back before then. Um, it started with just, you know, the little superficial cuts and there toward the end they became heavy heavy thick scar tissue that you couldn't hide so london was wearing clothes that hid her entire body out of fear that she was going to get unwanted attention and um you know she often talked about it and happily talked about in fact that she was going to get those tattooed over one day so that you know it would be something positive instead of negative yeah, and she was so mad when I told her she couldn't get a tattoo. <laughs> she wanted tattoos. She wanted her septum pierced. She wanted to, to do her hair in crazy colors. Well, she just... So piercings, as long as a parent will sign off on it, you can just get those when you're, what, 16? 16, yeah. But I tried to explain it to her that she can't get a tattoo until she's 18. And she's like, well, why not? Because they won't do it. <laughs> like tattoo artists will not tattoo you until you're 18. Yeah. Um, actually ours has specifically said that parents can sign whatever they want to sign. He's not going to tattoo someone that's not 18 yet. Right. Um, I'm sure there's some legal stuff involved in that. I just oh yeah. Yeah. I think it's Texas law, but uh, yeah. And she just, she was unwilling to accept that. <laughs> it was my fault that I was just not letting her get a tattoo. Yeah. But anyway, she, um, the day of the day of her death, she and I went out shopping and I remember she came up to me with this muscle tee, blue, blue muscle tee with Camaro on it. And I said, you want that? And she said, yeah. I said, but London, you know, you can see your scars and all that. And she looked at me like with this look of peace on her face. And she said, I don't care. And I guess I should have known something was up that day because she was uncharacteristically happy that day. Yeah, I noticed it when I got when I got home from work. She ran up and hugged me, which she was very much. Uh, she had her bubble of personal space and didn't like people getting inside her bubble. Uh, but she came up and hugged me, and she was really happy. And that's that's one of the things that I have a hard time. I guess reconciling. The only thing I can think of is that she was saying goodbye. Yeah. Uh, a week prior to that, um, I don't remember if this was before her birthday or after her birthday, that she attempted suicide. Um, I was in the middle of a shift at work and she called in hysterics and luckily I got to go home and pick her up. And that, that was pretty much my start of, 
I was going to be out of work for a few months. Um, and we took her to the hospital. We got her patched up. And um, that's when MHMR stepped in. And I'm struggling with the fact that she was not held for the 72 hours. Well, we didn't know that that was something they were supposed to do. And that's a, that's an issue I'm having anger with. And I don't want to say I'm exploring my options, but the thought has crossed my mind. Uh, well... But she did what she did more than 72 hours later. Yes. So at any rate, um, we tried, but, yeah. we, you know, they said, here's a few options as far as mental health facilities. And, um, I want to, I want to call out, shout out to our friend Kent for a minute because this was something he struggled with. And so I asked his opinion on, you know, what what can I do? What am I going through? Uh, you know, what do we need to do? And he was absolutely terrific in trying to help us go through this. And so thank you very much for that. But unfortunately, the places they sent us to, the the one, the, the Cadillac of, of centers near us did not have any openings. And we were told that even if they had an opening, they may not accept her, which I thought was ridiculous. So, but yeah, it's a it's, <laughs> it's for someone that needs help. It's not a private school. I wouldn't think that they would get to decide who's good enough to be there. Right. That just doesn't doesn't make sense to me. But uh, one of the places that we were redirected to was a drug rehab center. And the other one was for children with behavioral problems. Yeah. Uh, behavioral problems like they beat up their teacher type of problems, not uh, a child that is struggling with depression. They're slapping on their mom in the waiting room, which we bore witness to. Which we <laughs> watched a kid whoop their parent in the waiting room. So, yeah. And London is sitting there and she was still hopeful, even though she was seeing that this place was not on the up and up. She was still hopeful as I'm going to get help. I'm going to get help. You know, she had made all the necessary arrangements with her friends and tied up things and was like, I'm, I'm going to get help guys. And, you know, and that was, that was hard, hard to watch for us. Um, but like we said, once we sat in that room for what, three, four hours, because they also didn't take it seriously. Um, we decided this is not the place for her. We should not have to worry that our child who is going through this is possibly going to be beat up or worse while she's here. So we decided as a family that this was not a good idea and that we would explore other options, you know, maybe outside of this area. And, you know, we didn't want to do that. We wanted her close to home, but, you know, we were going to talk to her caseworkers and see where we could go from here. But first and foremost was she was going to start therapy. And the day of before the shopping trip and all that, she had her first therapy session. And we were sitting on this Zoom call because you can't get a live human being for this stuff either. Um, and she said, if you had a reason right now to not do this, what would it be? And she looked over at me and she said, probably my mom, which was hard. But, you know, I'll go with it. I'll take it. If I'm the only thing keeping you on this earth, then, you know. And um, we, she, had, she celebrated her 15th birthday she was she was so happy that day so happy we uh we took her up to arlington to guitar center and that was a surprise i remember we held that from her all day long she just knew she had somewhere that was a surprise and she kept where is it where is it where is it and we took her um we took her to go eat breakfast right across from the place that we were taking her to <laughs> and she kept uh she kept talking about like or just kept asking, where is it? Where is it? And Travis is just sitting there like, you know, the evil maniacal smile on his face. And then we, we finally showed her that we were going to Guitar Center. And she, she was so, so damn happy. You know, she had birthday money and she was going to get to go and nobody was going to tell her anything. She was going to stay as long as she wanted to and and that thing. And so she went in and she played every instrument that was out on display. She played all the guitars, all the bass, she played the drums. And we took pictures of all of this that I have had posted in, in recent weeks. Um, and she just had the biggest smile on her face that entire day. And, you know, she bought all these replacement strings from for her guitars because she has several. Um, and 
we took her for uh, ramen after that at her favorite ramen place. And again, took pictures of it because she was just looking at this massive bowl of noodles, just so happy. <laughs> and um, yeah, I guess it was a few days later, She we had the therapy session and she said that I was the only thing keeping her here. And that night it happened. Well, to kind of get, I guess, back on the timeline, uh, that day she was very happy and it was, it was so so good to see her happy. And in my mind, I thought, okay, good. This, this therapy session was productive and she's feeling good. Um, and then we went to the store and when we came back, she was gone. It happened that fast. And we, we found out probably what caused that. Um, not really gonna, gonna talk about it. It was something not related to home, but something triggered her and she took her life. And it was so jarring to have her there one minute and gone the next. And it has been, it's been a struggle. I don't know about all the stages of grief. Um, I know that there for a long time after I couldn't, I would wake up and like forget that it happened. Um, kept waiting for her to text. Kept waiting for her to call. Because they were all the same. It was dad, period. That was the text. And then she would follow with the thought, can you come pick me up after powerlifting? <laughs> even, even on the phone when she would speak, dad. Yes. I need a ride. Okay. Where are you? I'm at school. Be more specific. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept waiting for those. And some days I still wait for those. I struggled with, um, it's been quiet for too long. I'm going to go see what she's doing. And I would, I would go into her room or start to go to her room rather and go, oh yeah, I can't, I can't do that. I would not go into her bedroom for a few weeks there. Couldn't do it. But, um, it's still, Travis said it was jarring to have her here one minute and not the next. I would say that it's still jarring three months later because I don't think it's denial because I know that she's gone. I know that she's not here. And yet when something funny happens, I still want to go tell her. I still want to text her. And I did continue to text her and call her and leave her voicemails until her phone finally died. Yeah. It's an odd thing to continue to look for someone that you know isn't going to be there. Um, I remember I, have to, I had to go chase her off the roof. She really loved sunset, the sky, space, the stars, all of that. And for some reason, she thought that I would not be able to hear her when she was on the roof at night. <laughs> but I hear her stomping around up there and go on, like, letting you get on. What are you doing? I'm looking at the stars. Okay, well, do it from the ground. Don't <laughs> do it from the roof. Um, and I, when I leave in the morning, it's dark. And I don't know, for some reason, I always look up there. So, yeah. It's... She had this theory that um, when we die, we turn into the sunset. And so her girl, one of her girlfriends that had taken her life, she looked for her in the sunsets every evening. Yeah. But anyway, it's been a long, it's been a long process, a long road. And it's, we've got a long way to go. Um, I don't, it's not something you ever get over. I think it's something you just kind of learn how to live with. It's like a scar. It's never going to go away. You just live with it. But we have had some great people in our life that have really helped us a lot. And last month, we were actually invited to go be part of a movie. Woo <laughs> um, Bill and Zena Rush invited us up there. Um, I do my own stunts, by the way. <laughs> They are, they are founders, owners of the production company, Original Cinematic. And if you listen to Podmortem, you, you know who Original Cinematic is. Yes. Yes. Uh, but the, <clears throat> the cast and crew up there were amazing. Uh, they were, I don't, I don't know what else to say other than that they were all amazing. Yeah. Uh, I want to call out Joe and Chris. If you listen to the podcast, you know who you are. Um, it was wonderful to meet them. Mm -hmm. um, they were really able to, I guess, talk with us. One-on-one -on -one, seemed to kind of seek us out sometimes and share their experiences. And it really helped. Uh, it helped me, I think. It helped me a lot. And we, London, um, I, I, I guess I can mention we had London cremated. Um, and so we were, each of us were her remains up there. And when we were filming, she was right there. She, her presence was in the room even without her being there. And I, it was, it was hard. I'm not going to lie. It, it was some of the subject matter in one of the films that uh, we got to be in 
the subject matter was a little bit hard for me to sit through. Um, but Bill and Zena were right there, right there. You're, they're, we cannot say enough things about the two of them. They were absolutely incredible that any time I lost my shit, especially Zena, you know, I, I call her my ride or die bitch now. And she's probably laughing at that now. But uh, she really is because I don't know that I would have gotten through that weekend without her. It was, she was absolutely amazing. And Bill was absolutely amazing. And all the friends we made on that cast and crew were absolutely amazing. One of, um, one of original cinematics things that they take pride in is that they are all inclusive for marginalized people, be a people of color or in the queer community. This is absolutely something they stand behind. And I remember looking at Travis saying, I wish London could have been here with us because I think if she could have seen the level of success of some of these people and how much everyone treated each other like they were family, I think it might have been a rare instance where she would have felt like she was a part of something greater. Yeah, I don't know that the level of success would have impacted her as much as the sense of community. Yes. Because uh, it was, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. It was pretty amazing having a group of strangers just come together and they were all just instantly friends. But it was a great experience. So thank you, Bill and Zena, for letting us be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. And not only were they letting us be a part of this, they're also dedicating one of the films to London and giving her a credit since her she was there, you know. And for people that we just barely met, you know, yes, they've been friends. Yes, they've been patrons. I can't begin to articulate what that what that means to us. You know, they they did everything to make sure that that trip was as comfortable and as safe for us as as possible. You know, I mean, like I said we we did have moments where it got to be too much. We would have to leave the room or you know <laughs> go smoke about a pack of cigarettes between the two of us. Um, but they were absolutely there to to be friends, and it just get a little choked up thinking about everything that they did. So, but uh, beyond, beyond wonderful Bill and Zena, we've also had incredible people. You know, I, I have to thank first and foremost, probably my sister-in-law who, even though, you know, because people who came in to be here, you know, traveled down to help us make arrangements and all that, you know, they still at the end of the day have homes to go back to. But, um, Travis's brother's wife, man, she's been my best friend through through all of this, you know, whether it was showing up with food or just coming to give me an impromptu massage or head scratch or something, you know, just let me physically, like literally be her shoulder to cry on. She continues to do that even after all these months. And I, yeah, there really are just some general, genuinely good people in this world. And my sister made every arrangement that you could think of, you know, perhaps to her detriment, but she did make every single arrangement that she, I mean, she tried to get as much off mine and Travis's plates as possible. Um, my mom, who would just, who came down to try to keep the house in some kind of order while we had all of these people in our house. Um, the elementary PTO who brought food and, and dishes and drinks and all that to make sure that everyone was being fed um the church that we had her funeral in um there were there's so many people and i and i apologize if i don't make it to all of you because it it really was just a an overwhelming flow of people trying so hard um my my very very best friends you know i i told my sister i don't know if it was the night of or the night after but i said i need you to call Mary, who, you know, you guys know she's been on the show. I need you to call Mary and Kent. Um, I don't, yeah, same thing. I don't know. I mean, Mary was here last night. You know, I don't know that I would have. They have logged in some serious hours, especially Kent, who has fallen asleep on the phone, literally, with me crying. You know, it's just, I don't know what I would have done without them. Lala, you know, who texts me every few days to, you know, how's my girl doing? You know, um, my friend of almost 20 years, Brooke, who would take Isabel just to go skating and get her out of the house. You know, even Aiden, 
his friends were here for him and taking him to be distracted or just sitting here. Um, one of his one of his best friends was here the night that it happened just to make sure Aiden was okay. You know, so I have I dubbed him the my bonus boy because he really has been an incredible, incredible friend, not just to Aiden, but to Isabel and to me and Travis. There's far, far too many people to thank. There there really is. And um we'll never be able to thank everyone properly. Um unfortunately with the good you get the bad. We've had some struggles, unfortunately, in this whole thing too, where um I went back to work after two months. There were a lot of people that didn't think that was a good idea. There were a lot of people who thought it was a great idea. You know, I heard, you know, what are you gonna do, Ashley? Just sit around and cry all day? And it's like, well, <laughs> Yeah, probably, but I got to figure out how to get it out. I got to feel what I'm feeling, but unfortunately, you know, bills still have to be paid. Life still goes on, so I did go back to work, and um, I'm not going to say my boss, but my uh, my supervisor has been absolutely incredible in allowing me to come work as much as I want or as little as I want, just being absolutely a, an amazing, beautiful human being to me. And Travis, who I don't know, <laughs> is way stronger than I'll ever be, went back to work after a few weeks. No, I went back to work the next week. Yeah. And has, you know, managed to, I don't know how he's managed to, like I said, he's, he's a lot stronger than I am to go. And unfortunately being a, you, do you want to talk about this? No, I, I don't, I don't think so. I don't want to get sued today. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I did not share everything that was going on with, uh, with my workplace. And unfortunately I, I deal with a lot of people every day and a lot of them are assholes. I'm going to say that a lot of them are assholes and doing what I do. They're usually drunk assholes. So you would be amazed at what a drunk asshole will say to a total stranger. So, um, yeah, I think that's about as far as I want to go with that. Okay, that's fine. But I will say this. It only took about two days before the guys at work stopped asking me, how are you doing? How the fuck do you think I'm doing? <laughs> that's a stupid question. The well, amount of stupid questions we have been asked. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like I've, This isn't. And the thing that bothers me about it is uh, the ones that, like, you don't really know them, but they come up, how are you doing? And it's, they feel obligated to say it. You know what I mean? They feel obligated to ask. It's like they've asking you makes them feel better. I think that's what it is. You know, when it's somebody that you don't really know, when it's somebody that you do know, I think they're genuinely concerned. Uh, but the amount of just like we've spoken three words to each other. And now you want me to you want me to just tell you all about it? No, no, yeah. thanks. I don't. I've struggled with people in general mm -hmm. since then. Mm -hmm. uh, the good news is, is that though I do deal with a lot of people, I don't have to deal with them for very long before I move on to the next place. So, yeah. Yeah. I think for me, the hardest part has been when it's quiet. Yeah. Um, takes me quite a while to get to work in the morning. takes me quite a while to get home in the afternoon. And when it's, when it's quiet, that's the hardest. I think when you're, when all you've got is you and your own thoughts, that's rough. Um, when you're, when I'm at work, you, I can just kind of bury myself in what I'm doing, you know, stay distracted. But when all you've got is windshield time, it gets, it gets rough. Yeah, but um, I'm going to come back to stupid questions here in a little bit if I can offer some advice, but uh, I'll get to it. Um, I'm sure some of you have been wondering, how's Aiden dealing with this? How's Isabel dealing with this? The answer to that question is not good. They're not. They're, they're traumatized. I have, all four of us are dealing with PTSD in this house, unfortunately. Um, I will tell you, and I won't go into a bunch of it, I will tell you that we are all being treated currently, and that's the extent of that, but we're all just trying to do our best. You know, we, we don't know how to deal with this, so we're dealing the best that we can and trying to honor London and carry on her legacy all while trying to be better people and better parents to our other two children and that's that's all we can do for now but um anyone that has ever we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up anyone that has ever gone through this currently going through this knows someone who is going through this a piece of advice and the things that i'm about to say i don't mean to offend in any way i don't want anyone any one single person listening 
And I have a feeling I know who that might be. For me to say the following things and go, well, I didn't mean it that way. I wasn't trying to and get upset and feel singled out. That's not at all what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to offer um, our listeners and friends some advice for if you ever, hopefully not, but if you ever do find yourself in this situation, be mindful and tactful of what you say. I know a lot of people don't know what to say. That's always a struggle is I feel so bad, but I don't, I don't know what to say. That's I, I completely understand that, that it's a difficult situation to be in, but I know for me and Travis personally, because unfortunately this is not the first time we've dealt with a death very close to us. The last thing that you ever want to hear somebody say is, um, shit, I'm losing it, <laughs> is um, they wouldn't want you to feel this way. I don't know why, but that gets under my skin so bad. Because of course you wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't want me to be sad. But that's like telling somebody to go outside and not breathe. You can't not be sad. You know, yes, eventually. And I mean, we even do it now where we think of the funny things about London. And But we're going to be sad. That's, that's just without, not a question. Um, trying to tell somebody that life moves on. Of course it does. Of course it does. But that doesn't mean that you get to just forget that that person ever existed. You do your best to, like I said, honor that person and move on at the same time. And quite frankly, I don't know that there is any moving on. I mean, granted, we're only three months into this, but I personally at this point don't feel like I ever will. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, well, you have these other kids. You have your husband. Yes, uh, I'm very, very aware of that. And I love my husband more than life itself, as do I my children. I, But if you put somebody with their three children in a row and said, pick which one you think you could live without, do you think you could do that? No. So I absolutely love my children, but I'm not going to forget that I had another one just because I still have two children. Um, telling somebody they're in a better place. Not everybody is religious. Travis and I have stated on multiple occasions that we're not, but... We do believe that if there is somewhere better that does exist, she would be there. Absolutely. So again, not, not, not trying to offend at all. It's just always be mindful of the things that you say and try to put yourself in that position of what would I not want to hear? What would I, what would I want to hear? Sometimes we don't need to hear anything at all. Sometimes we just need a hug, you know, shoulder to cry on, pizza, <laughs> you know, Sometimes you don't need to say anything at all. Just be there, be present. And if I could give one last piece of advice to parents who are struggling with their child going through this, same thing. Just be there. Just be present. Sometimes you don't have to say anything. Just your child knowing that you're in their corner can be enough sometimes. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with that last statement. I would also say that sometimes they need more than that. Um in hindsight, we can kind of see the warning signs now when the dramatic mood swings and all that started. I really wish we had not written it off to teenage hormones and gotten her some help then. So that is, I think that that's kind of the purpose of why we're doing this today is that if you have someone in your, in your life or know someone that's struggling with this, reach out, help them, help them get some help because they may not know that they, that they need help. Um, it's easy to look back and go, yeah, they were, they wanted help. And I feel like we were there uh, for London, but maybe we weren't the ones she wanted to talk to about it. Maybe talking to a professional therapist six months ago, nine months ago, a year ago would have made a difference. So if you see somebody that's struggling, reach out, try to help them get help. Um, don't ignore it. Don't write it off as they're just being teenagers and adults as well. Because uh, even you know, adults are, adults have feelings too and are just as susceptible um, to depression and all these things. So take it seriously, I guess. Not that we didn't take it seriously. I just feel like we, take it, we took it, we waited too long. Of course, that could just be all the what-ifs that happen after the fact. But So with that in mind, one more time, um, if you know anyone who is struggling with thoughts of suicide, the National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. Or they can dial 988. So, in the spirit of getting this podcast kind of back 
in the swing of things. Uh, we've got a couple of Easter eggs that we never handed out. Yeah. Yeah, that last season was cut short and... Um... You know, we we still <laughs> we still have great admiration for our supporters, and we and our friends, and we do still want to hand those last two out, and we will announce those. Um, well, I guess we can announce our first one right now. Yeah, go for it. Um, our first Easter egg is being handed out to Sid McClanahan, also known as Doctor Wolfula. Um, excellent, excellent friend of the show. Another person that we did we have tremendous admiration for respect and has been a good friend in these last few months. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that I was surprised that he reached out. I don't know. Not that I wouldn't think that he's the kind of person to reach out. It's just, you know, when you're looking at it's got like what, 2 billion subscribers or whatever, they get a lot of, they get a lot of mail. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he took the time. So thank you for that. So, um, I can't, I can't talk. Um, so, uh, Easter egg that we are handing out to you, Sid, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, his favorite film. So this is a, I gotta tell you, we're, we're nervous because it's, it's a film I love. Travis, eh, not, not so much, <laughs> but you know, this show wouldn't be what it is without those opinions. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a film I love. And uh, I think I owe it to Doc to learn to love it. <laughs> but uh, it's a classic. And, you know, it, you have a hard time. Like, what more can we say that hasn't already been said? You know, we've covered that in Halloween and, <laughs> you know, the thing, stuff like that. Where it's like, oh, I'm not I'm not stomping on any new ground here. It's, you know, so but we're going to we're going to do it anyway as a as thank you from bottom of our hearts so and then we will hand out our last easter egg and we will announce that when after we record that episode and then we are going to do what we are now referring to as friend requests instead of you know <laughs> whatever we called it before um to couple of our to our top seven so <laughs> anyway with that being said uh thank you thank you from both of us for indulging us um going off on this heavy 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 subject and um thank you for listening thank you for supporting us thank you for being there everything that you all have done in the last few months for us and most of all your patience for allowing us this time to work through everything and heal so i guess uh we'll we'll see you again first weekend of august and until then i'm ashley and i'm travis thank you for listening to dead and married bye Thank you.